While I will ask forgiveness up front because I have not had a Pentecost Mass publicly since 2018. 2019 I was on retreat, 2020 was COVID and uh, no one was at, present at that Mass. And last year I was in the hospital. So it's been a long time. So if I get a little long-winded, forgive me. But first of all, I want to wish you all a happy birthday. Because today we do celebrate the birthday of the church. And for a while, I have to admit, I struggled with that image of the birthday of the church, but the church began with the death of Jesus Christ. But perhaps the better way of understanding as what I was struggling with is the church was conceived with the death of Christ, but with Pentecost, with the descent of the Holy Spirit, is when the church first took her breath. And I say that deliberately, because the word spirit in Greek is pneuma. We got pneumatic air tools, pneumonia, the pneumatic system of the body from this same word. It is breath, air, wind. So if you're listening closely, I already did one bad pun. Don't keep count today. But I want to try something first. And I, those that have asthma or any lung issues, we, I invite you to just sit and listen. But for the rest of us, I want us, I'll, I'll explain what I'm going to do first, uh, to take a deep breath and then to breathe it out, breathe it all the way out until we have absolutely nothing left. I'll count to five and then we're going to say Alleluia. Okay? So take a deep breath in, breathe it out, exhale, 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 exhale. One, two, three, four, five. That was okay, right? Let's try it over though. But this time, instead of breathing it out, as soon as we breathe in on the count of one, we will say, Alleluia. So deep breath in, one. Do you catch a difference? It sounds a little bit louder. And some of you weren't talking at the top of your lungs anyway. And I am more and more and more convinced, the more I consider the state of the church and the world, the more I realize we've been trying to live the first way. Perhaps with the sexual misconduct, especially since 2003, we've had the wind knocked out of us. Perhaps we, with various reasons, we've allowed our breath to be taken away. We've not lived with that spirit. And so we've not been as loud, perhaps, as we should. Because we've allowed the world to rob us of our breath. And sometimes we've allowed it to be robbed from us even without such scandals or such things. Sometimes we're fearful, fearful perhaps, if, if I speak with the Holy Spirit, if I speak the way God wants me to speak, I'm going to be weird. Yes, that is a church uh, theological category as far as I'm concerned. Somehow, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that means I'm going to be swinging off the church chandeliers and I'm going to be looking like a monkey riding up and down the street on a, on a unicycle, doing juggling tricks. That isn't what the Holy Spirit causes us to be. 
The Holy Spirit causes us to be more ourselves, as God has created us to be. That Holy Spirit gives us that strength that, that we need to speak. And just as we need breath, how we need the Holy Spirit. In fact, and I didn't talk to uh, Deacon Jason or Deacon Bruce this morning, and I didn't talk to our newly ordained uh, Father Tanner or Father Josh, but in my homiletics courses, the very first thing the homiletics teacher, Father Modal, taught us is how to breathe properly. Well, we think we can breathe, but when, when it comes to preaching, to be, being able to proclaim, it takes a different, different kind of breath. That we can't just be shallow breathers, but we have to have air in our belly, almost. And only when we have air in our belly can we really proclaim. In fact, Father Modal was so convinced of this, we had to stand in the chapel at the ambo and be able to be heard in the back of the, the chapel without straining our voice, without a microphone. And believe it or not, it can be done. You can learn to do this. And just as, as preachers, we have to have error. As sons and daughters of God, we need the breath of the Holy Spirit. We need that breath. And so it's fitting that as the church gathered on that first Pentecost, it was a Jewish feast, Shavuot, and 50, it comes from the word 50, the 50th day. Actually, it comes from seven, uh, but uh, the 49th day plus one. The Jewish, our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrated that yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I read an, a little article, something that I didn't know, but on, uh, for the last number of years, Instead of having a harvest festival, which was what Pentecost initially was, as they gathered the first wheat in, now they celebrate the new births, those that are one or under. I think that's a wonderful image for us to reflect on because we are born this day as a church. We're celebrating our birth. The church was gathered there in that upper room with the Blessed Mother, we hear that in Acts of the Apostles. Gather there waiting, because Jesus had told them when we heard that last week, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The power that gives us breath. And once we receive that spirit, then we go forth. And today in this gospel passage that we have, we're back to Easter Sunday. But it gives us a chance to reflect how Jesus, at that Easter, breathed the Holy Spirit on them, his breath. And the Holy Spirit so often is misunderstood. Maybe that's, too, why we do not live and allow that Holy Spirit to be our breath as a church. And we don't understand the power of the Spirit. We've made it an impersonal force, something that's nice to have, but it's not necessary. Instead of being a person, one of the three persons in the Holy Spirit, Trinity, one of the three persons so important to us that we, as we just heard in that sequence, without the Spirit we have nothing. We have nothing, good in thought or deed. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes in us, as we heard last night in our second reading, with groans indiscernible. We need that Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit more than we need breath itself. 
And we live in a world that needs us to breathe with that Holy Spirit. There's a favorite line of one of my favorite saints, John Chrysostom. I love Chrysostom because it means golden mouth. And he had a golden mouth, a golden tongue that he could speak so wonderfully. But he said, if we really live what, like we are, it's paraphrased, we shall be like lions breathing fire. I like that image. Lions with courage, breathing fire. And so often we think that Holy Spirit are speaking and speaking the truth is only for the ordained. Or I might even deceive myself, is only for the bishops, only for the pope, only for cardinals. No, it's for all of us. It's given to us in baptism when we hear that, how that spirit is given to us in baptism. In fact, as St. Luke records in the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles discover a group of Christians who, who believe in Jesus who are without the Holy Spirit, and they ask them, well, which baptism did you receive? The baptism of John. Oh, and so they baptize him in the name of Jesus Christ, and they receive the Spirit at once. Baptism is our gift and entrance into the Holy Spirit, and of course, confirmation confirms us with that gift. And the Holy Spirit comes with, with sometimes we think about those extraordinary gifts, the gifts that we saw at, at the first Pentecost, as Peter proclaims the gospel with, with passion, with truth, as the apostles are speaking, and all can understand the words that they are speaking. This, this speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, all those things, they're wonderful gifts, but those are extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit that God gives and parcels out as he wills. But there's ordinary gifts, too, that God gives, the Holy Spirit gives, just because, because we, he knows we need them. We talk about seven in particular. Gifts that we all need. Wisdom, to see as God sees. Understanding, to know how God wants us to live. Counsel, of being able to make right decisions. Fortitude, the strength we need to do the right thing. Knowledge of knowing the truth. Piety of reverencing God and the holy things. Fear of the Lord, so often misunderstood into being, well, I'm, I'm afraid of the Lord. No, it's a filial fear, which is hard to explain unless you understand that we love God so much as Father, that we would do nothing to hurt that relationship, that we have a loving relationship as sons and daughters, that we don't want that relationship to be harmed in any way. These are the ordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these are gifts we all need. And I'm convinced if we drew the breath of the Holy Spirit more deeply as a church, as individuals in the church, we would be heard. They would know the truth that we live. And so the question might be, well, how do we, how do we ask for the Holy Spirit? It's as easy as what I just said. Ask. Ask. Just simply take a few minutes each day to ask, come Holy Spirit, be in my heart, be in my life. 
There are probably millions of prayers that you could pray asking the Holy Spirit to be with you. But the simplest is what we've already just sung. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with your gifts, all the gifts that I need. Come in this moment of trial that I have. Come in this moment of of absolute joy that I have. Come. Just come. If we allow the Holy Spirit to be our breath, we will speak with credibility. We will regain our breath from everything that has hurt us because God is with us. Jesus Christ promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The only way we can do that is if we breathe the fire of the Holy Spirit.